episode, we're going to see whether the revelation you've received is right. <laughs> Welcome to Walk With Him. I'm Elder Blacker, and here we're welcoming all who are looking to improve their lives by improving their relationship with our Savior, Jesus Christ. My name is Mitchell Redman, and here we're going to be discussing a variety of topics and doctrine relating to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. There's a lot to learn from the Savior, from his ministry and teachings, and our mission is to help you live the best life from the example of Jesus Christ. Life is never perfect, but our Savior is and was. So join us as we walk with him. Transition noises. <laughs> do, do, do. Now we're gonna get sued. Why? Because that song is copyrighted. What's that from? I have no idea, but I bet that tune's been used before. That's not how copyright works. Welcome to Walk With It. Uh, how are you doing today? Do you want me to answer this question? Sure. Okay. Your um, car works. My car doesn't work, but I'm the borrowing car that my you, cousin's. The car that you currently possess at this moment. I am using a working car. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Wednesday. You know, I, I realized we went on our big trip. Like we drove all the way down to Austin on Wednesday. And I was like, it's a good thing Mitchell's not. Because you put me, you in a car on Wednesday for four plus hours. <laughs> not even it's that. That's going to go well. Not even four plus hours. Yeah, I know. So especially with four plus hours. Now, originally it was planned to be like an hour. It turned into four hours. Not my drive drive to Austin. That's I'm talking about when both of our cars broke down at the same time. Yeah, driving to Austin is supposed to be a four-hour drive, and it would have taken us approximately 14. <laughs> In the middle of the street, my house. <sighs> I'm ready. Let's, let's go. What do you want to start with? We should probably tell them what we're actually going to be talking about today, because we did not do that in the intro. Well, yes, we did. Uh, Yeah. Today, we're going to be going over a talk, one of my personal favorites, actually, from October 2022. It's called A Framework for Personal Revelation by Elder Dale G. Renland. So, an interesting story about this talk. We visited a, like, a recent convert family because they just wanted to talk with us. And my comp, who knew the area, was like, these guys are cool. Let's, let's go visit them. So, we did. And they were cool. And so, the dad opens the scriptures and he's like, how come Nephi had to kill Laban? Mm. And I'm just like, hmm, interesting question. And then literally the part where he mentions that in this talk came to me. And so I pulled it up and kind of showed him that part and read from it. Anyway, it turned out to be a really cool discussion about like revelation. I don't know. What are what were some of like the initial thoughts that you had when reading this talk? I just, I remember thinking about how much I've learned about personal revelations and kind of reading it, and then being able to apply that to my own experiences. Um, so I don't really know if one thing stuck out in particular, but I do really like the framework that he gives of the four main points. What you're saying which, is it just like a, a more concrete and thorough way to think about personal revelation that you liked? I was more, it made it make sense to you. Yes, kind of just like it all made sense in my head, but then it was like put on paper. Yeah. Kind of like when you know what you want to write for a story and then you actually have your essay. Yeah. And you're like, ah, now it looks like nice and neat. Yeah. You say like personal revelation and everyone like has a general idea. But then, I mean, this happens with a lot of 
topics I've noticed, especially the one topic that comes to mind is the the Kingdoms of Glory talk by Elder Oaks. Like, we all know the plan of salvation, but he just, like, explains it in the way that we know. But So I have a question for you. Did him giving the talk or you reading it recently or whatever, did that ever change your thinking about anything or no? It, I think if I'm going back to the time as a missionary trying to learn how to be a missionary because I was still in training mm-hmm. at the time. And so me trying to use personal revelation as a missionary to go find people, I think this talk really helped me to be like, hey, these are really the main things you need to worry about. Anything else doesn't matter. Anything that was these other things? Yeah, like these other me in my head trying to overcomplicate and overthinking everything, which I do the all the classic. time. classic. <laughs> Seems like a lot of people have that answer. And In fact, like, you know, David A. Bednar, another apostle? Like, yes, I was just going to mention. That's like the question he gets asked the most. And then I was like, how do you differentiate your own thoughts from the spirit? And he's like, guys, it's pretty simple. You're overcomplicating it. And so he says that a lot, too. And like a lot of different places, like, yeah, I quit overcomplicating this. It's. There was a broadcast from him and a bunch of other seminary teachers that were in this. I guess it was a Q&A for seminary teachers that Elder Bednar was hosting. Mm-hmm. And then someone posed that question to him. And he's like, kind of looks at them thinking that this is the 800th time he's answered this question. And he's like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Just keep the commandments. Keep your covenants. You'll be fine. Next question. Yeah. Yeah, I like that because I feel like that's a really good intro to this topic because, again, people overcomplicate personal revelation all the time. And, I mean, there's some funny stories, like maybe a guy who, quote-unquote, received revelation that this girl should marry him. Then he goes up to that girl and tells her that. Nine times out of ten, she's not going to like that. Yeah, no. Even um, a teacher in my ward, he had that and he told his bishop that like when he shook his now wife's hand for the first time he was like i just felt like she was gonna be my wife and his bishop looked right at him and said don't tell her that and he was like okay (laughs) so he didn't yeah that's that was some sound advice there this i'm not gonna go into too many other tangents but one more thing because i was i can't remember it was like a byu talk that i went over where he was talking about dating he was talking about the misconception that people have to find the one. And yeah. I feel like that's even more heavily a concept at BYU. Like people think that they were destined in the life before to meet up in the mortal life, get married and whatever. But something yeah. interesting that he said is that God's not, that can happen. In fact, I think I've read a couple of talks where a couple of apostles have expressed that, but that doesn't matter. But it's mostly the fact that if you're both, trying to keep the commandments, if we're both trying to keep your covenants, then it really doesn't matter. And in fact, I'm in people's patriarchal blessing, which is basically like personal revelation, but more direct that someone gives to you and you have on paper. And I thought about this recently when it mentions a wife or someone you're going to meet, it doesn't say like, this is the person that you've been waiting since you got here. This is like qualities that anybody can have. Yep. And so... I don't know. That was just something that was interesting to me. You're not looking for the one, but rather a one. 
like a person that is obedient, kind, keeps the commandments, keeps your covenants. Mm-hmm. Something that I was told by my trainer, and I haven't ever found it. Granted, I haven't ever looked for it, but he said that there was an apostle um, that said that as long as like any two people could get married and for it to work, as long as it is built on yeah, a I, God relationship. I think and I what's heard that. Interesting same. is that in the temple where you're on the altar for ceilings, the altar represents Jesus Christ. Yeah. And I find that really interesting. To go back to personal revelation, um, to be keeping the commandments or trying to and trying to receive revelation because it's like those videos where it's like, oh, hey, did you notice the dancing bear? And it's like, no. Well, that's because you didn't look for it, right? Like, I feel like the most important thing when you're looking for revelation is to look for it, right? Yeah, because be a lot of people don't feel like God is in their lives because they're not looking for it. And what they're looking for is a angel or a miracle. Yeah, because you're right. You, I just remember as like a deacon or even like a teacher hearing these huge spiritual moments from either people who have come back from their missions, like just some older church leader talking about this grand experience and I feel like we build, from those experiences that we hear, we build this unrealistic expectation that not like an angel is going to come down, but that for big momentous events in your life, you need to have big momentous answers or guidance or whatever. Which chances are, if you are trying to receive revelation, the small revelation, a couple of times in your life, you'll get that big moment. Right. And you'll share that big moment because it's the coolest moment, right? Right. But, but that's not what's going to sustain you throughout the entirety no. of your life. You're going to be guided by those small nudges. There was something really cool that Elder Bednar said in that same talk where he's like, we live in a constant state of revelation, meaning that if we're listening, we can be guided most of the time in our lives by revelation. So instead of thinking as individual moments... It's like a guy that you're trying to follow and to keep throughout your life, mm-hmm. which I thought that was really cool. I like that. There's a, that's a really good video. I'll probably link it in the show notes because it's a really cool video. Yeah, so I guess we'll just start going through this. Elder Redlin, he goes through four points, kind of four main points to make sure you're staying within the bounds of personal revelation. He likens it to an aircraft pilot. Is that what you meant? Airplane pilot. I don't know. I said aircraft. The aircraft. The aircraft pilots fly within the capacity of the aircrafts in forward. Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. we've already kind of touched on the first one. Um, the, his first main point is to be looking for it, right? And to be reading the scriptures. Yeah. I mean, scriptures, regardless of who you talk to, if they have some sort of basis in religion, if they have some sort of foundation, they're going to be reading scripture at least a few times. I did really like what you said about it being more of a constant thing. As the first time that I really felt like I had gotten my own personal revelation that mattered a lot. What do you mean mattered? I guess that like the first time I had received revelation where I had to really seek it out. Does that make sense? Yeah. You weren't just kind of sitting there waiting for it to conk you on the head. <laughs> yes, that's what I meant. Um, it was when um, when I was in my senior year, 
And it was like, okay, well, now what do you do? Do you go on a mission? Do you go to college? Do you stay at home and do college? Because I didn't want to be bored. And I was so paralyzed by that because it was the first time. This is what I actually meant by that. It was the first time where I was looking at a decision with two roads that I cared a lot about it being the right decision, right? Like this is the decision that mattered that would have some like significant outcome. Yes, that I wanted to make sure I would get right and that I couldn't immediately see which one was right because, I don't know, to put it in layman's terms, other choices where it's like, oh, hey, do you want to finish school or drop out of high school? That never even like occurred. Just at a surface level, you can see Oh, well, one of them has a much better impact. But then you're talking about different situations that have different outcomes but aren't better than the other. So you're trying to get at. Right. Or at least I couldn't see from my viewpoint which one was better. Yeah. And I kept wanting. We mentioned patriarchal blessings earlier. I didn't have one because of COVID and I couldn't get one because of COVID. It took forever. And it really bothered me because what I was expecting, honestly, is I was expecting to get a patriarchal blessing and it would be like, choose option X, go on a mission right away. Or you should go to school and study and then leave on a mission because patriarchal blessings are kind of a glimpse of like, hey, this is a cool roadmap that God has in store for you that you can take and it leads to some pretty cool stuff. That's interesting. You you put it as like the roadmap. I think of it as like God has his roadmap, right? He has the line completely traced out to every single thing that you'll experience in your life. And so I feel like you just kind of sitting there like, all right, I'm going to take this experience, this experience, this experience. I'm going to mention those things in isolation because you can't see the whole picture, right? It's just really possibilities that can happen because it's not like it's set in stone, but it's basically just different possibilities that would be the best outcome for you that you could follow. But it's not inherently like, this is what's going to happen. You're going to do this. It's more like, hey, this is what you can do if you like to, but this would be the best way for you to go. Yeah, and so I was expecting like just a very clear answer from the patriarchal blessing that I would be able to get sometime throughout the year, right? And it didn't happen because of COVID. And so then I was kind of stuck and I was like, oh, I do not know what to do. And what I ended up doing... Um, was just simple things. I would talk to my parents about it because that's somebody that would make sense to talk to, right? I would talk to my bishop about it. That's another person that would make sense to talk to. I would talk to you about it because you're my friend. Um, And then other than that, I would just be reading my scriptures, praying, and there was never a time where there was never the verse that says, hey, continue doing school and then leave on a mission. So I kind of just put my head down and did what I knew I could do, where it's like, okay, I can pray, and I can read my scriptures, and I can talk to my parents, and I can apply for school, and I can make sure that I am good to go on a mission if I so choose, right? And just doing those little things over time, I picked my head back up, and it was like, oh, this road makes a lot of sense. And then sure enough, I would say so far it has made a lot of sense, yes. I, in my mission, I'm sure there's a lot of missionaries that echo the sentiment, but I actually learned how to study my scriptures. That doesn't really sound great since we leave at like 18 and we should no, probably be studying. I know but exactly what you mean. I didn't know how to 
get a meaningful scripture study because, I mean, it's not the most clear language. It's not the most clear topics even sometimes if you're going down like the Old Testament and you read some crazy story in like Judges, for instance. I just remember Judges because it had the weirdest stories that made no sense to me. But you're just kind of sitting there like, I mean, I read fast normally. I go through books without actually kind of taking it in, really reading all the words. And so sitting there trying to read this archaic text and then trying to pull some topic or some question or something out of it that made sense to me was hard. I didn't like it. And so I just didn't do it. Seminary was a lot better. And we've talked about Sister Wyeth a lot about how she really, especially in seminary, it was helping me to start to see how you could use the scriptures a lot for your own personal life. And so I'm like, okay, I kind of before my mission, I started to take my time because I think maybe part of the problem was just I didn't have enough patience, which is still not an easy trait, but at least it's a little bit better. But, and then in the mission, I learned how to find answers not only to my questions, but to people that we were trying to teach that they wanted to know about a certain topic like baptism or revelation or the Holy Ghost or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so I learned how to really study them and really like scrutinize them and just try to take everything I can out of it. And like I started enjoying doing scripture study. What a lot of times happened is that I would have one thought or one idea. Like, oh, this might be interesting to study. I just go in the footnotes and that footnote leads to another paragraph to another topic. And most of my studies kind of go down a rabbit hole, which I still get something out of it. So even in studies, you tangent is what you're saying? Yes, that is exactly <laughs> what I'm saying. No, but like I learned how to grow an understanding of the scriptures and of what they were trying to teach. And then immediately after learning how to apply it for other people's situations and even my situations, it was a lot easier when I we have when we have so many different people to talk to, right? We have this guy who's struggling with his marriage. We have this guy who's trying to start dating. You have all these situations that you're trying to take from your scripture study. You're trying to guide these people towards making the best decisions. And so that's how I got way better at scripture study. First and foremost was having (laughs) consistent scripture study. We have it every morning. So that kind of helps. We kind of already talked about the second point, but so we can just go over it briefly. The second point that he mentions, I guess I'll quote it and then I'll explain it. A second element of the framework is that we receive personal revelation only within our purview and not within the prerogative of others. He said that and I read that. I'm like, what the heck does that mean? And he's like, in other words, we take off and land in our appointed runways. So like the analogy of an airplane pilot. Like you have certain runways that you have to go down. So talking about personal revelation, it's like you yourself are not going to receive revelation for the church, for instance. That's the example he gives where it's this one guy that he called him as he had just barely been arrested by the police for trespassing. And he's like, I got revelation that there were scriptures underneath this abandoned building. And if I find them, I'm going to receive translation powers and become the next Joseph Smith and just crazy stuff like that. (laughs) It's interesting. At the end, there's a footnote that's like, 
It says, fortunately, arrangements were made for him to receive the help and treatment that he really needed. I didn't realize that was there. Yeah. So this was more of like a like a mental illness type deal. I guess that's a really extreme example for the dangers of not staying in your lane, mm-hmm. to quote the thing further. A much more common example comes from another talk. I don't remember who gave it, but they were talking about how when their kids come over for dinner, because their kids are now grown up and have their own families. And when they come over for dinner, oftentimes she kind of tends to nitpick. And she like read a story or heard somebody talking about how they loved being at their parents' house because of how uplifting and confident their parents were in them. And as she kind of thought about that, she was like, oh, I really need to be more positive and notice what they're doing right and not nitpick. But what she said that stuck out to me is she was like, while I can receive inspired counsel, it's not my job to do what I'm trying to do of all this nitpicky stuff. It's not really in her bounds to have the revelation to nitpick everything. And she said, while I can give inspired counsel, that's different than the revelation for them to do something. It reminds me of a... A quote and preach my gospel. I think it was Elder Oaks where he's like, God is not going to give you direction for every single thing that you need to do. He's going to expect you to use your agency that he gave you. And so as long as we're staying within like the commandments, our own callings, trying to use, exercise our logic and our using our brains that we were given, then most of us <laughs> with varying brain cells, um, <laughs> then I mean, we'll be fine. That's what Elder Bednar said. Just quit worrying about it. Just do the things that you know how to, and you'll be fine. Like, if you're a father for your family, you're going to receive revelation for your family. If you're a missionary, you'll receive revelation for your area. And the other thing is, you also have people around you, oftentimes. Like the example that you just said. A father can receive revelation for the family, but you're also supposed to take that and counsel with your wife. A missionary can receive the revelation and counsel with their companion. I don't think personal revelation, even for like the father with the family, should not be used as authoritative, right? Yeah. Like he shouldn't act as like the boss of his house saying like, oh, I have the priesthood and you have to listen to me because God gave me the authority. In fact, there's a verse in Doctrine and Covenants. Continue your thought. I'll pull it up. I was just going to say the father should counsel with his wife, and most likely you're going to come to the conclusion that, oh, this is what we should do, because you'll probably know that, oh, hey, this is revelation. And if your wife doesn't feel good about it, if it really is personal revelation and it needs to be done, then she can seek that out and feel good about it for herself. Yeah, because, I mean, first of all, it's you're in a companionship in marriage. There's two people that started that family, so if you're working together towards the same common goal, you're both working towards keeping the commandments, following revelation that matches with the commandments and the scriptures that you've read, then you'll be fine. Quit worrying about it. If nothing else, I think that should be the one thing that you should get from this is that just quit worrying about it, do the things you know how to, and you'll be fine. The scripture, the scripture that, that I remembered is in Doctrine and Covenants 121, verse 41 and 42. It says, No power or influence can or ought to be maintained by virtue of the priesthood 
only by persuasion, by long-suffering, by gentleness and meekness, and by love and fame. So basically it's saying, like, you're not trying to influence or control other people by using the priesthood. That's not how it works. The -hmm. priesthood is God-given gift and privilege to you to bless your family, to those around you. And the only way you're going to have it is if you exercise it within the bounds the Lord has set, right? It says, it gives a whole list here. It says, by long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, love and fame, kindness, pure knowledge, which shall greatly enlarge the soul without hypocrisy and without guile. The priesthood is a God-given tool that also further helps with revelation because you can give blessings and you can give inspired blessings. You can know what to do and just have that much more help from God in leading and guiding your family. Hey guys, thanks for listening to our episode. If you like what you hear and you want to get weekly updates with exclusive content and an inside look on missionary work, join our email list on our website. You can go to lumietmedia.com. That's L-U-M-I-E-T media.com. Just scroll down to the bottom and you'll see a little form where you can put in your name, put in your email. It's free. We don't need anything else from you. We're going to be giving you concise and actionable advice, takeaways from our episodes and lessons and experiences directly from the mission field. And so if that sounds interesting to you, just go to lumietmedia, L-U-M-I-E-T media.com. And we hope to help you a little bit more every week. Bye. We have kind of touched on this a little bit, but point three is that you got to keep it within commandments God's already said. And actually point three and four kind of go hand in hand. So we can just talk about both at the same time. Because point four is that the revelation God has given you, if circumstances don't change, neither is the revelation going to change, right? And I think honestly, most of this, these two things can just be summed up by use common sense, you know? Yeah, If you know that you're reading your scriptures, if you're getting something out of it, if you're staying within your own rights, your own callings, and within the commandments, and then you just use common sense, it's like, I mean, it's really not that hard. It's just paying attention, listening to spirit, not doing stupid things. Yep. And I find the last point really interesting because that's kind of something that was drilled into my head constantly. As in like during the mission, I would have this same doubt, the same fear, insecurity or whatever. Then I would kind of just skim through my notes or whatever. And I mean, that's why I put little sticky notes in it to kind of organize them. It's just going through them and then reading me writing down the exact same question and then immediately seeing the scripture that I found answering that question. I'm like, okay, I'm not paying attention. I should listen better. (laughs) I know now. So I feel like a lot of people have these questions, right? These doubts, and they're trying to go towards the extreme, like we talked about, right? Having these grand, huge revelatory experiences that say, go this way, like reading your patriarchal blessings saying, go to school. Mm-hmm. When really, if we just sit down and read our scriptures for an hour, use common sense. Think about if what we're doing is good. Then it's just like, oh, there's the answer that a hundred people have asked before you. And look, here's the situation of Nephi asking the same. It's just like, you really just have to look. You have to be willing to receive the answer too. Yes. Because we are not going to get an answer 
if we're not willing to act upon it. So there's really no reason for God to give us knowledge if you're not going to act on it. Because what's necessary, once you receive revelation, you then have more accountability, right? Yeah. And so if God knows you're not going to act on it and not going to try to act on it. He's not going to say anything to you. (laughs) No, because all he's doing is making you more accountable and therefore putting you in more trouble. Doesn't make any sense. Right. I mean, you think about someone that hasn't heard of the gospel ever, that's never even heard of Jesus Christ or all these commandments. And, well, they're not accountable because they didn't know all this stuff. It's like a little kid. He's not going to know that. Okay, most little kids are going to know that, like, hitting your brother is mean or whatever. Not the first time. Yeah, until your brother hits you back, then you'll quickly find out that, oh, maybe I shouldn't do that. That's usually how most kids learn in that situation. (laughs) But it's like the accountability comes with the responsibility. It's like, hey, you now have the priesthood, so act like it. There was someone from your ward. Well, it used to be my ward, but that's why I know him. He sent me an email, and it's funny. He was talking about like the responsibility that deacons should have. First of all, he really liked my emails, which I appreciated. And I guess that called him to like, you know, these deacons should really learn. But it's like, oh my gosh, I need to find the email. It's so funny. It's going to take too long. But basically it's like, we need to hold these deacons accountable instead of just being amused that they run around like rabbits on cocaine or something like that. That wasn't far from what he said. What? Believe it or not. But that's funny. <laughs> it really was funny. I was like, oh, okay. I mean, it's true. You have these... You're 13 when you receive the Aaronic Priesthood. but It's now 11. Yeah, 11 turning 12 that year. We're given this responsibility because God trusts us, which in hindsight is a terrifying thought that he trusts these 11-year-olds. But I'm not just, I'm just saying that because I just remember how I was. You really need to stop and think what your priorities are. And I think going on a mission is... Really helpful for a lot of people to get their priorities straight, me included. Same. So I guess just to kind of, we'll go through the the list again, just one by one. Starting with the scriptures as the first element of the framework. Reading the scriptures, getting... I like to start with a question every time I read the scriptures. I don't know if it's in a lot of translations of the Bible. But for us, we use the King James Version And I like using the Bible dictionary in the back to look up certain topics. If I want to learn about patience or like trials or something like that, I always go to the back of the book if I'm like, I have no idea where to read. And I mean, we have the same thing in the Book of Mormon. So scriptures as the first point. The second element being that we receive personal revelations only within our callings and for ourselves. That's why it's called personal revelation, not what I think my friend should change in his life revelation. (laughs) Third is that personal revelation will be in harmony with the commandments and covenants that we've made with him. So the 10 commandments, the covenants we've made in the temple. Common sense. Common sense using your noggin. And then the fourth element is to recognize what God has already revealed to you. So basically just take the three things we said and when in doubt, refer to what you've already done. So this is kind of like the step four. If other questions arise, see step one, two, and three. We know it's important to receive personal revelation. President Nelson said only a couple years ago, where he's like, the time will come soon 
where it won't be possible to survive spiritually without having personal revelation. Yeah, without the constant guidance of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. People quote that so many times. I know. It's Which, to be fair, it is kind of a fire quote. It really is. Again, with repetition, he's like, hey, this is going to be important. I recommend you learn how to receive personal revelation now before you're stuck trying to figure out some sort of important life event and you're like, oh, now I don't know what to do. I do like that he said guidance, though, to share a story. I went ziplining a couple months ago and for some reason I brought my phone and it was like a zipline where they had you like kind of crouch. It's not unlike any zipline I've ever been on before. Crouch? What do you mean? It was really weird. And so my phone fell out of my pocket onto a mountain <laughs> and I don't know where it is. Well, you know where it is. It's down that mountain. Well... <laughs> I never got it. Like, yeah, I was never going to find that phone. And so we went and got a new phone. And my mom asked, like, why did you bring your phone? Don't you feel like it would have been important? And I was like, not really. <laughs> because I know that I live my life in a way where I can receive personal revelation. And the thought of leaving my phone didn't even cross my mind ever. Not one time was it like, oh, maybe I should leave my phone in the car or oh, I probably should hand my phone over to my mom before I go on the zip line or whatever, right? And so because I could trust that I would have the spiritual guidance of the Holy Ghost, I didn't have to stress about something that went wrong because I knew it wasn't that important. I guess the reason I felt it was cool is because after I said that, like a few days later, she was like, you know, that was really cool that you said that. And I was like, oh. Like it kind of connected that I actually trusted that oh. I would be guided. You never told me that's what you said. You mostly just like I just went over the funny on the mountain. Part. You're like, yeah, I dropped my phone down a mountain. Like, well, you I didn't respond to you. You texted me that. I was like, that's a valid reason for not texting me. <laughs> I like that you mentioned the importance of personal revelation because I feel like there's going to be some people who will be like, well, why does it matter? Well, if nothing that we've already said tells you why it matters, the prophet of our church is like, hey, this is kind of important, so uh, do it. I guess to share another story, if you'd like, um, of one where I did follow the Spirit, it was simply I saw somebody I knew, and they looked like they were having a hard time, and the thought was like, you should get them flowers. And I was like, okay, well, that's weird. That's not a normal thought to pop in my head. And so I was like, hmm, well, okay, I am doing what I can to receive revelation. It is within the bounds I've been given it sticks with God's commandments. And then I didn't question it because it would be the same answer, right? And so I did. There's a list that we have called the Articles of Faith, which basically just breaks down everything that we believe as a church. The 13th, which is the last article of faith. The admonition so of Paul. Yeah. So it references a scripture in the New Testament in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. I'll just read the, the scripture. It says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, and of good report. If there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. If this is a good thing that you're going to do and that you've been inspired to do, then there's no reason to be like, hmm, that was weird. Was that me or the spirit? If it's a good thing, then just go do it. Like, it really doesn't matter. Don't overcomplicate things. Don't worry about it. I think rather naturally... What'll happen is it's a learning process. There's going to be a learning curve, right? I mean, I'm still experiencing this learning curve. I shared a couple of examples where it was like, ah, yeah, this was cool because that was the highlights. I did not share the lowlights of 
oh, was that the spirit? Was that me? And then I ignore it. And it's like, oh, point in case. It's um, a trial and error. Right. And it takes time. But there's a really cool list and it talks a lot about the spirit and kind of gives you a picture of what the spirit is. It even says right here, think of times when you have experienced any of the feelings, thoughts or impressions described in these verses. As you study and gain experience, add other scriptures to the list. Compare them to your own experiences because we're all going to have different experiences. And while there's going to be similarities, it's still important that we recreate our own relationship and our own connection with God. You can find this list in a manual called Preach My Gospel. I'll link to the chapter in the show notes. But it's kind of at the the very end. It's a really big list that starts with personal study. I feel like as members, we think of a very limited way of how the Spirit can talk to us. I think we make it way too black and white. Yeah, it gives off a whole bunch of ways of how you can feel the Spirit and in what ways you can feel the Spirit. And the fact that it's not just a still small voice, although that's emphasized a lot, but I think that's more of emphasizing the idea that it's not going to be a angel coming down, bonking you on the head with a metal staff and being like, repent, even though that happens in scripture, but that's not what normally happens. And then another thing I would recommend that I've, I've done a little bit and it's been really cool for me is to start a revelation journal of sorts. Like in my study book, I have little tabs that I marked with like a purple sticky thing. And it's just like very specific revelation that I've gotten either through scriptures or just talks I listen to or even just something that someone has said to me. And I think it'll really help you guys to start to see God's hand in your life, start to notice how you're being guided, because if you're paying attention, then you're going to find little ways every day. I think it's more of a road of revelation rather than just isolated experiences. Check us out at Lumiette Media. Have we ever told them what it stands for? But anyway, there's a scripture that says, look unto me in every thought, doubt not, fear not. So next week we'll be talking about in two weeks. Next episode, we'll be talking about culture versus doctrine. Being in Utah and a missionary where people are very strict sometimes about some of the most random things. I think it's a really good topic to focus on after having talked about the ways we can receive personal revelation because again in the culture of our church we focus and overcomplicate a lot of things that really don't need to be complicated we hope you'll join us next episode and Audi toast Thank you for listening to us. This is Walk With Him, a podcast about Jesus Christ. And if you'd like to know more about Jesus Christ, we have a website, which is Lumiet Media, L-U-M-I-E-T, media.com. On there, you'll find stuff about us, stuff about our Savior, Jesus Christ. You'll find our socials where you can follow us and support the podcast. You can also sign up for our email list where we give you just some advice, takeaways from our episodes and experiences that we've had from the mission field. You can join that email list on our website, follow our socials, and if you could rate us, that would really help other people discover the podcast and just start their own journey towards our Savior, Jesus Christ. So thanks again for listening, and we'll see you in the next one. Adios. Adios.